I have a lot of friends that are masculine presenting or uh, GNC trans, and we catch more cases in there than anyone else. Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. Supporters of longtime Alabama prison rebel Michael Kimball announced that he had again been placed in segregation as a retaliation for his political activities. In the following release, they ask others to call into the prison and DOC and demand Michael's transfer for his own safety. Quote, Supporters have learned that anarchist prisoner, writer, and organizer Michael Kimball was recently placed in segregation at Holman Correctional in Alabama for allegedly coming to the defense of a fellow prisoner who was being beaten by guards. He is urgently asking for support in attaining his transfer to a new prison. Michael has been politically active behind bars for many years, in particular helping to agitate for the 2016 national prison strike, which made waves across the country and largely started as the brainchild of prison rebels at Holman. He is also the author of several zines, and his writings can be found at anarchylive.noblogs.org. Due to his political activity, he's frequently faced retaliation and punishment from guards and the DOC riot squad. Just this past week, after being placed in lockup, one guard visited his cell to threaten him. Michael immediately wrote to one supporter, quote, I need you to spread the word that I desire an immediate transfer because I fear for my safety. They can have another prisoner do their dirty work. These are pigs on the cert who have been assigned here since 2016. I know they plan to retaliate. That's what they do." Unquote. They ask that you call these numbers. Alabama DOC Commissioner's Office, ask for Commissioner Jeff Dunn at 334-353-3883 or Holman Correctional. You can ask for Warden Cynthia Stewart at 251-368. 8173. Our episode this week is a conversation between Rojas and Cyrus. They talk to us about the conditions of transgender and gender nonconforming, or GNC, prisoners in the California prison system and on the outside. Subject to increased surveillance and retaliation from both cops on the outside and correctional officers on the inside, Rojas speaks about what they were subjected to while within the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, or CDCR. Rojas and Cyrus also talk about CCWP, the California Coalition for Women Prisoners, an organization that, in their words, quote, monitor and challenge the abusive conditions inside California women's prisons. We fight for the release of women and trans prisoners. We support women and trans prisoners in their process of re-entering the community." Unquote. We'll hear more from them in a later episode, but for now, here's Rojas and Cyrus. I'm Rojas. My pronouns are they, them, or just Rojas. I work for the Young Women's Freedom Center. I've been a member of CCWP since 2015. He has my heart, you know, like this is how I got into this work. Like I knew the work I was doing in prison, like organizing in prison. I didn't know like I'd get out and do that. I mean, I know I knew that I was going to try to do this kind of work. Like with CCWP, I just didn't know how far we'd get or that I'd even get a job in organizing or around this work. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a lead organizer for the Young Women's Freedom Center. I love it. I love it, you know, I'm getting paid to do this work, so that feels good. 
and I get to bring other people in. I'm Cyrus. I organize with the California Coalition for Women Prisoners in LA mm -hmm. and um, tag the trans advocacy group. And Rojas and I know each other through CCWP and working on campaigns together, mm -hmm. uh, particularly the campaign that Rojas has been a lead on, which is Me Too Behind Bars, which is a, about kind of looking at and fighting the ways that particularly a trans and gender not conforming, but also uh, queer people in general and women experience sexual violence inside prisons and how sexual violence functions as a form of state violence. But I actually never, you know, Ross and I are friends and I've known each other a while now, but I've never asked you how you first got connected with CCWP or like what you first thought when you started working with CCWP and, and how you connected with the group. I was abused by the cops. I, I, I was threatened with rape and tortured and sexually harassed because of being GNC. And when this incident happened, it was on the 14th year of my sentence. It, it was a really bad incident. And it's the first time I ever called home and said, hey, you know, I had never told my family what went on in that place. You don't want your family thinking that you're in there getting tortured, you know. So I called my family and they called a friend of mine that I knew was in this work, Dolores Canales. And Dolores called Colby from CCWP. And next thing you know, I had a visit like immediately because I wasn't um, getting any, I wasn't able to see a doctor and like, my finger had been broke, um, and CCWP had started advocating for me, calling the prison, I mean, getting money together so that my family could fly over and see me, actually allowing my family to stay at their home. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah Kushner let my family even borrow a car and drive out to see me. So that that was surprising for me. Like, never did I think some people were just going to help like that. You just It just doesn't even seem real, you know? I'm like, whoa, I just wanted people to maybe call up there and say, we know what's going on, stop it, you know? I was facing a lot of retaliation. So when CCWP came in to see me, things, like, changed, at least when they were around, at least visiting, you know? That's, that's how we got connected and... I mean, I had a visit three times a month after that. And during my sentence, I only had, uh, like my entire sentence, I probably only had 10 visits. I did uh, 15 years. You know, my family don't have a lot of money or anything. They couldn't come see me often. And I was fine with that. I, I actually even had visiting taken away from me from, for five years. It was crazy. Like, I was getting legal visits, family visits. I had so much support, and that's how we connected. I, like, built relationships with folks in CCWP, so that's how we got connected. <laughs> I feel like the thing you said about visiting getting taken away, mm -hmm. it's like there's already so much in place that means that trans and GNC people inside are isolated, mm -hmm. even the fact that so many people, like, are connected to their families. Mm -hmm. And then inside, when obviously trans people are dealing with like the most harassment and violence from the guards and getting all these write-ups and then probably going to get visiting taken away at higher rates. Yeah. Too. Oh, so oh. 
visiting gets taken away from us. Um, law library, the library. It's like you, you want to go out and meet someone and get a girlfriend. And yeah. It's like you're accused. Of, I mean, you can be walking with anyone uh, to the law library. Like me, oftentimes I get sent back. And yeah. it's like, no, we know you're coming out here to meet your girlfriend. No, I'm not. But <laughs> that's just something they do to us. Taking... When they took my visits, it's because I had caught a case in there that I had beat. And um, it doesn't matter if you win your case in court. I had picked up a few cases in there, but I beat them all. You know, they're, I was fortunate enough to beat them all. Like, we get accused more of being like, I guess the cops say they're like intimidated by us or we're aggressive. And like we catch more cases in there than anyone else. Like, it's just... I have a lot of friends that are masculine presenting or uh, GNC trans, and we're the ones that get four, five more years, ten more years added on. It, that's what they do to us. We're targeted. And I feel like that's been such a huge part of, or like something I've learned so much from you, and something that's been such a huge part of your fight is being like supporting trans people inside isn't just about making sure that people get the hormones, the name change, the yeah. honorifics. It's also about the fact that like, the stuff that's happening on the streets with like police targeting and heightened surveillance and harassment, all of that stuff is going to keep happening with the guards inside. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like they want to let you know that they're not worried about it. You know, like CDCR is so powerful. There was even staff coming in, like in regular clothes and pulling other incarcerated people out, talking to them, telling them that I was a piece of shit. They were my roommates that lived with me that were not that were just queer and just like cis women they would tell them to stop hanging out with me and this like i said all the time it's not only my story it's all of us they're always watching us i mean you step out of line they're gonna get you they they get physical with us you know it's like one of the things they do they're they put you in a dress and they're like yeah i'm gonna put your ass in a dress and when they handcuff us, like me, oftentimes they'd pull up my arm. I don't know if anyone's ever twisted your arm. It makes you bend over, so they kind of like walk you across the yard, bent over. They type things like, um, you think you're a man? Like, I'll show you what a man is. I got something hard for your ass. And, hey, Rojas, calm down. Do you really think you get my hard? You know, and I'm like, ugh, just, but it happens to all of us. Like, it happens to all of us. There's, there's so many of us that are now, like, in contact and talking about what goes on out here and how it still happens with the cops. Like, they could pull us over and, like me, I'm just, they pull me over at gunpoint and my car broke down one day and three times in one day, you know, and each time the officers are just with me, you know, it's it's because of what I look like, you know, it's because of who I am. And we all have uh, familiar, I mean, similar stories, you know, that it still goes on. It happened before we went to prison, it happens in prison, and it happens when you get out of prison. You know, and the, the parole officers do it, like, just having probation, and it's all this time. Kind of seems like we're always being surveilled, you know, which we are, which we are, you know more than other folks in prison. Definitely, like, they're always, like, watching 
you. Like, I can't even give someone a hug. Like, a friend of mine, um, her son passed away. And I remember hugging her, you know? Like, she just broke, and she was hugging me. And I was accused, uh, yeah, that was over-familiarity. Yeah, and Chow Chilla. Yeah, and CCWF. So, it just happens all the time. Do you want to talk more about how you're in contact with people and more about how you're sharing stories with other people? Yes, we meet up and we kind of have a little healing circle, our own, where we can talk about what's happened to us inside of that place and feel comfortable and know, like, hey, it's, okay. it's all right, you know? And it's hard to talk about it with other people. Like, some of my friends can't. Like, they're, like, not in that place yet. But they still want to talk about it, like, amongst themselves. Because you have a lot of people that you love that are still inside. Oh, so so, many. And I feel like you really hold on to that. Like, how much do you talk to people, your loved ones, inside about the work that you're doing? Oh, often. All the time. People are always calling me, telling me what's going on in there. Like yesterday, someone's like called me while I was at UCLA and someone just got beat and their shirt was off and they left them in the yard like that for a while. You know, you're in cuffs, your shirt's off. It's happened to me. Like instead of covering you up, they'll walk you around like that, kind of like they want to show you you're a woman, you know, like they want you to be exposed. That's happened to me. Like my, I was actually in a fight (laughs) and Someone pulled off my shirt, and the officers walked me across the yard. The yard's pretty big, you know, um, shirtless. And we're making comments about me, and, yeah, like, oh, yeah, you don't want to be without a shirt now, right? Yeah, like, like now everybody knows, like, oh, you, you know. They like to let you know, like, you know, you're a woman. So they parade you around like that. I feel so bad because there's so many people that contact me, and I'm like, we're trying, like, there's not that many people in CCWP, like, there's 4,000 people in that prison, like, we can't go, we're, we try, like, and we write names down for as many people as possible, but, um, like, it, it's so often, it happens all the time. I was talking to someone yesterday who said that just on the books, there's 350 trans-identified people at CCWF, mm-hmm. but that's only even people who, you know, are reporting or being counted by CDCR as trans. So there's obviously so many more people. Yeah. GNC. Yeah, so many more. That's, I mean, it feels like that's why we're in there. That's why we get the longer sentences. Well, Rojas is part of a plaintiff in a lawsuit, which you can talk more about if you want. But some of the, one now, one of the plaintiffs is still incarcerated, right? Yeah, or two, 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 Isaac two, and Yvette. Isaac and Yvette. But yeah. they separated our cases. Right. But, um, like, I'm sometimes a little bit confused with how much I can say. Yeah. But yeah. um, I talk about it. I talk about what happened. It's the truth. That's what really happened. Yeah. Um, we were tortured for 11 hours. It got so bad that I, I hung myself to get it to stop, to get other staff to come to the program office and (laughs) they were cutting off one of my roommate's clothing after they had already stripped us out twice as if when we were in the cage somehow we I don't know what but it was 
just to have a snake in and, um, I don't know, make fun of us or me. There was men that stripped me out. It was actually a woman at first, and when I was, they make you grab your ankles and cough, you know, and you have to squat down, get back up, cough, and then there was three men. And it was a really small restroom. I mean, that incident happened because we were organizing on the yard. The cops were starting to beat us really bad, and, like, the harassment got so bad. We started writing it down and logging everything that happened on the yard. So the cops kind of got wind of that. They seen that we were actually standing up for each other and um, saying, hey, I will be your witness. And we were targeted because of that. And they were trying to get my roommates to stop talking to me, get them. They were asking them if they were my girlfriends. Um, one of them actually had been my partner at one time, but it was like maybe like a year and a half before this incident. So we were all being harassed. Them for being my friend and me for being me. It's only in the 70s that people inside prison even started being able to, mm -hmm. you know, file lawsuits against the state because before that they weren't even, prisoners weren't even seen as like legal subjects. I think people in prison barely are seen as yeah. legal subjects now. But what can happen if, if there's a suit against, against the state by a prisoner or a former prisoner, a, the judge, the presiding judge in the, in the court where the case will be heard before anything gets to go through all of the evidence and decide whether they think it's legitimate, mm -hmm. which is something that's specific to prisoner-led lawsuits. So what's been happening um, is that even though we've, they've been building this case around Rojas's experience and, and a few the three other plaintiffs, though the cases have been separated, saying that there was, you know, cruel and unusual treatment and punishment um, against them, there's a really conservative judge who keeps saying, no, this isn't legitimate, this doesn't constitute cruel and unusual punishment, this doesn't constitute cruel and unusual punishment, and they keep being like, what about this, what about yeah. this, what about this, and the judge keeps on um, barring the case from moving forward, which is like just another, if we need any more evidence that <laughs> the legal system is <laughs> rigged sham. So a lot of what the work we've been doing as a campaign is being like, we know that, and you know, and you say this all the time, that a lawsuit isn't going to change the culture of systemic abuse and violence. The only thing that's going to change is getting, you know, getting rid of prisons. Yeah. Um, but like, how can we use something like a lawsuit to kind of like organize and, and work and build a movement around and, and connect people across California who are dealing with things like this, but maybe in isolation from one another. As we wait for the lawsuit to move forward, and also with the knowledge that even if the lawsuit does move forward, it won't fix all the problems, how can like we kind of rally around the lawsuit as a way of like bringing people together? We all want like more people to actually care about what's happened to us like we know this lawsuit isn't going to change the culture of that place it's prison we already know there's no fixing that 
But I feel like this is the beginning of of something of of people willing to come forward because it's hard and when you're alone and you you challenge staff or you decide to like be a whistleblower like the retaliation is I mean it's crazy it feels like you're not gonna get out of that place it feels like you're either gonna die like or you're gonna stay longer. Like I was promised I'd be there longer. I mean, it may not change the culture of that place, but at least like we can have more people join the fight and know that, hey, we have your back, we'll advocate for you. We'll like just getting folks to understand that they're not alone and it is gonna be hard. And we tell them that like, you know, it, we're really careful like dealing with folks on the inside because we know what it's like. Like we all know they're probably going to get beat. Um, They're probably going to rip the pictures of your family. They're, this is all stuff that's happened to me. Just getting other folks to come forward so we can get like, I mean, so our movement can like grow and they know that we're just not going to take it. You know, we're not going to just keep your secret any longer. Like, I don't know where I mean, I have a lot of hopes, like, what, I hope this will happen, I hope that will happen. What are your hopes? Damn, I hope that we can complain to the uh, outside organization besides CDCR. That's the scary thing, complaining about about CDCR to CDCR is, like, (laughs) you're not going to win, ever. Like, they're going to laugh at you, you're going to feel like, stupid for even trying yeah other folks that are not impacted that work with impacted folks i don't ever feel the way i do like when i'm with ccwp like it it doesn't feel like i don't know it feels it's just different you know it's 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 different they're more just like it doesn't seem like they care and then you don't really want to you're trying to get them to care but then when you see their faces like just staring at you you're like oh god (laughs) you know it's nerve-wracking yeah (sighs) i love ccwp i uh all the time i'm like you know they volunteer their time like folks that are not impacted like to come and work for us and visit us like all it's all like on volunteer time it's not like they're getting paid for it so that's the crazy thing you know and other folks it's not like that you know but um CWP it's like they fight with their heart you know like they really listen to what's happening and it's not just like research you know a lot of people are like oh okay so there's 10 of you in the room and you know 10 out of 10 have been through this and you're like you know, it's more than that, you know, it's not just us, it's our families, and, and CCWP, I mean, they get sad with, we're all like, something doesn't, someone gets beat, and it's like, I can call anyone from CCWP and say, hey, you know, this just happened, and we all feel it, it doesn't, it's not like that with, um, other folks, you know, a lot of people, they're just about, reform and it's, it's makes you feel weird when it's like uh 
they like what it's it's just the stuff that that's people are fighting sometimes it just doesn't make sense because it's like oh yeah they should have let you you should have been able to see the doctor after your bones broke but like really they shouldn't you know it should be like no this shouldn't be happening what all of you this is it's not okay but i guess it's because they're not trans or gnc or queer so it's a lot different other organizations are a lot different it's funny, I think almost everyone in CCWP who's not directly impacted is gay or trans. And then, but then like our inside members, there's actually a really wide range. Like a lot of people are queer and trans and then there's also like older women who are like yeah. Christian and not gay at all, but they're like totally cool yeah. with it. You know, like I have deep relationships with people inside who are like elderly women who I never would have thought I would be so close to, but they've, like, been... And they've, like, we've literally, like, been close through my transition, you know? And, like, the love that I've been met with has, like, been... So I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> I get emotional, too, um, so just... <laughs> Has just been, like, so... Like, I feel like that's the thing about it is, like, the love goes both ways. Like, I have been... I'm not from a family that was impacted by prisons, you know that, but, like... The relation, the love is just like it's it's but goes in all directions and like I'm lifted up and changed, and like my life is made better, and like I can imagine different futures, and like fight for them because of the way that I'm loved in return, you know. But it it almost feels like uh, like you know I'm directly impacted and I feel my family system impacted, you know, I'm in there. But I feel like that about CCWP too. They care so much. Like it's like in the, it hurts them as well. Like I feel like they're impacted, you know, it's like, well, that's interesting. I think like the idea, the whole idea of like direct impact is really kind of interesting. Cause it's like, well, yeah, certain people are directly impacted because we know that prisons are, like, racist and transphobic and classist and ableist and all this stuff. But then also, like, once you love people, then you're a part of each other. Right. And then, like, what idea of family do we have, you know? Like, I do feel like now people inside are my family. It's so it's a little confusing. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Like, I like the system has got to you, too, now. Do you know what I mean? It can reach anyone. That's what's so crazy about it. Like, as long as you care about someone, damn, even if people just cared about us as being human, like, I think they'd be impacted too. Like, that's something, it'd be on your mind. If you knew the horrible things that go on in that place, and then, especially us, we're like at the bottom of the barrel, like, we're getting the worst of it all. I'm talking about trans and GNC folks. Yeah, and you all come in and you have to think about it. Like, can you imagine if you're in a place and you're getting beat just for being Cyrus, you know? And they're telling you, like, you're not who you are when you know who you are, you know? So, yeah, I definitely think you're impacted as well. Like, I think as long as you care. Well, sometimes you when you... When you really love people, yeah, it feels like what's happening to them is happening, it's happening to, you, to you. Which I feel like you're not supposed to say or something. Like mm -hmm. I feel like that's like not politically correct. Like you're supposed to be like, it's not my experience. It's not my experience, and that's true. That's, it's so backwards but, to me, though. Yeah, 
Like, I don't understand that. Like, I just don't understand that. I'm like, man, my family's impacted. My friends, you know what I mean? I'm still going through. I feel like Christina's system impacted because yeah. of me. Like, I'm still going through a lot. And people that have to be there for me and, like, see what I'm going through. Like, it hurts you when you see your family going through something. You're impacted. It's like, I know, yes, give us our place to talk. I understand that. But also, like, how it affects everyone else, too. That's what I believe. Like, you know, same way. I'm hurt. Like, I have people in there that even people I don't know. It hurts. I know what's going on. So it hurts. Like, I'm impacted by what's happening to them. You can find out more about the California Coalition for Women Prisoners at womenprisoners.org. This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening. Thank you.